Right, well this morning I get to talk to you on Palm Sunday. Um, I didn't bring any palm leaves, I sent those all up to Kids Church, so you might be beaten with them on the way out, but they're not in the service this morning. But Palm Sunday really is an amazing, amazing moment in our faith journey. It's also the beginning of Holy Week. Now, we often as charismatics don't do Holy Week, but Holy Week is amazing where it's an immense week where God's sacrifice, His love, His commitment to us is shown throughout the week. And so we often see it as the arrival on Sunday. How many of you are excited that it's Palm Sunday? I mean, I could picture myself on Palm Sunday, you know, taking off my shirt and putting it down on the ground and being like, yes, Jesus is coming. Hosanna. And that's what we think that Holy Week is all about. But let me tell you that throughout this week, you will see that Jesus endured rebuke. He endured betrayal. He endured denial. He endured trials. He endured much for us. So this today, I, I want to, I want to, you to think about your week that lies ahead of you. I'm sure that many of you like me, you have a week that's full of meetings and deadlines and kid things. For me, holiday. And all these things that can fill our hearts and fill our minds and almost consume us. And this morning, I'm going to just try very briefly to run you through the week that Jesus went through. And this week, my challenge to you is the following, is that each day of this week, you would think about what Jesus did and that he would take this week for you, that he would arrive as a king, he would endure a week of pretty tough week, and he would finish the week dying on a cross and being welcomed into glory, and then rising from the dead. And that's what I want to leave you with this week, is that how do we take what Jesus did and apply it to our own hearts and our own lives? So, it's the journey this week from Hosanna, right through to crucify him, right through to he is alive. Amen? So it's a week of prayer. It's a week of remembrance. It's a week of celebration. And it's a week of hope. Um, one of the things I've loved this week is that this week, to prepare for the sermon, I've actually run, I've read it out of a chronological Bible. Now, it's quite confusing for me. I like to keep things in order. And what this does is it runs like a timeline. So you almost feel like you're rereading scripture because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are kind of all mixed up. And uh, what I've loved about it, though, is that those are the same stories. So we read the same stories of the week, but we get it from a slightly different vantage point. So it's like you'll hear the sermon today, but you'll get it from Ricky's point of view or Josh's point of view or Chantel's point of view. And there's richness in that. But even more so in the story of Jesus, that when we hear about Jesus and the amazing person he was, what brings even more clarity is when we hear it from all the different people and how profound it was and how they each picked up nuance. So I'm trusting today that you'll pick up the nuance in the Word of God. So, the week. It was about a life well lived, an unfair betrayal of a friend, an unfair trial, a populist uprising, and ultimately a death so brutal that it challenges to squash the hope in our fiber as believers. But it was also a man that was that, that it, it was also a week which resulted in a man being raised from the dead that cannot and landed up on a, on a throne of God that cannot be trampled by man, a throne that cannot be put down by our plans and our perceptions, and ultimately a throne that will last forever and ever. So that's this morning. Before we get to the Word of God, I just want to give you two pieces of context. 
The first is Passover. Does anybody know what Passover is or what it celebrates? Hopefully, one or two of you. And it's not Easter eggs. Passover really was when the, the Jewish nation, they were celebrating them being able to escape Pharaoh. I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament where they would put the blood of a lamb over the doorposts of their hearts, I mean, over their houses, and the angel death would pass by so that their children would not be killed. So this week of the Passover is actually what was happening in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus. Isn't that ironic that in that moment, the blood of the lamb actually meant that we didn't have to have death? So before we think about it that way, we can say, well, Lord, thank you for putting the blood of the lamb not over the doorpost, but across my heart, so that I don't have to have death, but I can have life. And so the Jewish nation were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, and many of them were also coming to hear and meet this person called Jesus. You know, it wasn't the days of social media. You couldn't just upload Facebook and say, hey, check it out, another healing. You had heard about it. It was almost these things that had come around in your community. And this was their chance to meet Jesus face to face, to meet the man behind what had been happening. So it was a wonderful opportunity for them. The second part is that the, the role of Bethany. Now, our team in Germany are ministering at a place called Bethany. Now, Bethany is a little, a little suburb about three kilometers outside of Jerusalem. It was the home of some of Jesus' closest friends. So we've spoken about it before, where Jesus would go to the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And now throughout this whole Holy Week, you know what Jesus did? He would come in and minister at the temple, and then he'd go back to Bethany. And I love that, because I love the fact that even Jesus knew where he could go back and be restored in safe places. And he would go and minister and pour himself out and come back and regroup with his friends and his disciples. Bethany was also the place where Jesus was lifted up into heaven. So as context, let's remember that it's Passover week and that Jesus was in Bethany. And if you've got your Bibles, please can't you, won't you turn me to the book of Mark. And let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we read your scripture this morning, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would really minister to the hearts of each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your word would become so clear to us. I pray, Father God, for a renewed hope in each and every one of us in serving you and in loving you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Mark chapter 11. If you don't have your Bible, it is on the screen. And we're going to start here. It goes, As they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage at Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie the colt and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went, and they found the colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, why are you doing this, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead, of, uh, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. 
Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Awesome. So that was Sunday. We're going to run through this week quite quickly. But I wanted to take little pointers from each and every day in the week. And I hope that this week, that as you go and maybe Bible study this week on how Jesus' journey could impact you today. The first was Sunday. I'd like to pick a couple of things out of the Sunday journey from Jesus. The first is the cult. And Ricky spoke about it earlier. That we can bring any of our stuff that God can use. But what I love about the cult is the fact that even in those days, um, famous people would rock up not on not in Mercedes-Benz or Ferraris, but they'd rock up in stallions and chariots. And this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he chose a donkey to cruise in to Jerusalem on. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that just make the King of Kings that much more accessible? That he would choose something that was tied up and that anybody could use to ride in to the city on. So the cult for me is such a beautiful picture. The other fact is that he expressly said that no one has ever ridden. And that speaks of purity. And that God uses stuff that is pure. Um, the second is the procession. And how as they, they pulled out the, 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 the cult, I can actually picture the disciples. They get this cult and they suddenly go, it doesn't have a saddle. And they take off their cloaks and they put it on, on, the, on the cult. And people start seeing Jesus come and they know it's something amazing. But they don't want to miss it. They didn't say that the street had been prepared for weeks and weeks and they knew that Jesus was coming. It said Jesus was riding and they threw their cloaks down. And almost how Jesus sometimes uses us in unexpected moments. But at that moment, he's asking you, use what you have, prepare the way for the king. And so you might not be able to plan that Jesus is going to use you on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Jesus is going to use you. But at that moment, use what you have and make way for the king. Put it down and make way for the king so that he can ride into town. The second part is that I loved is Hosanna. Is that when Jesus is doing something, what is our job? Our job is to just say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Come on, Jesus, you can do it. Hosanna to the king. Ride it. Ride on, Jesus. Ride on. And so often we get in the way of Jesus where he's actually doing something. Our job is to prepare the way, make sure that Jesus is, is coming in and to get out of the way. So that was Sunday. Sunday was a good day. Sunday was an exciting day. Sunday, Jesus came into town on a colt, and people were cutting branches. They were throwing down their cloaks. They were shouting Hosanna. Jesus came in as a rock star. And Monday, Jesus enters Jerusalem as a king. He starts to speak to the people. Now, you must remember that they don't know that this is Jesus' last week. But I'm pretty sure that Jesus knows that this is his last week. And so Jesus is going to spend the week doing everything he can to equip the disciples and all the people for the works of taking his gospel to the ends of the earth. So what he does in this week, I think, is pretty profound. The first thing he does on Monday is he starts walking into town. And a long way off, he sees a big bushy tree, which is a fig tree. And he looks at the tree and he says, he was hungry. And he walks up to the tree. And he looks in the tree and he looks for fruit. And there is no fruit. There's no fruit. Do you think Jesus really didn't know there was any fruit? I'm pretty sure he would have known there was no fruit. But he walked up to the tree, he looked for it, and then he cursed the tree, and he said, I curse you, tree. And then he carried on. And the disciples heard that, and that's kind of where the story stops. You're like, that's weird. Why was that the first thing they speak about on his way to Jerusalem? Then he gets to Jerusalem, 
and he walks into the temple. And I want to pick it up here with you in Mark 11. It says, Mark 11, verse 15. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began teaching, preaching, healing. No. He said, He began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, It is not written, is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all of the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So, two things I want to pick up from Monday. The fig tree. Some of us, our lives look are a bit like that fig tree. They look amazing on the outside, but when you get closer, there's zero fruit. And I think the challenge for us is the following, is that we want lives that are bearing great fruit. At the beginning of the week, Jesus is looking for the fruit that he can eat and give to the disciples. The second is that Jesus is fairly strong. I am, in reading this passage of scripture over the last two weeks, I've been awestruck at our Savior and how decisive he was and how straight he was, but also how firm and fair he was. And it's a lesson that I needed to learn and that how he protects his word. Um, I don't know about you, but it must have been a pretty amazing thing that Jesus, the expected one, rocks up in the temple and the first thing he does, he just turns over the tables. I'm sure he didn't go and he go, oh, Katie, wouldn't you mind just moving that chair for me? You know, he would have walked in and just pushed over those chairs and those tables and said, this is my house. This is my house. This is the house of prayer. And sometimes I think we become apathetic as people in our Christian walks where people have encroached and encroached and encroached on what it is that we believe and we don't stand firm on it. And Jesus comes in and he goes, enough, enough, clear it out. And sometimes I think we need to be a little bit more aggressive in our own lives around what, what have we allowed to sort of creep away and etch away in terms of our faith barrier that God wants us to have. So that was, that was Monday, pretty strong day actually, pretty strong day. We then crank into Tuesday. Now Tuesdays is, is interesting because Tuesday and Wednesday, Jesus spends all day in the temple teaching and preaching. It's almost like the very first conference that ever was. You know, people came and got tickets and they came and they sat. And Jesus did two days of conferencing and preaching and teaching in, in the temple. He did a lot of prophecies. So if you get time, please read some of them. They're amazing, amazing um, passages of Scripture. I want to just pick out just, just two of them. The first is that on Tuesday morning, as he's walking back from Bethany in towards Jerusalem, that fig tree that was so green and lush is now barren. And the disciples suddenly, now they haven't asked the question yesterday, and they ask it today, they go, Jesus, wasn't that the tree that you rebuked yesterday? And indeed, he said, yes, it was. It was. Um, so Peter, verse 21, it says, Peter remembered and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus responds, he said, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they, they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe it, and that you will have received it, and it will be yours. 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you of all of your sins. I love the fact that before he goes in to the temple to preach, he explains to his disciples the value of faith. And that we don't have to only rely on him to do these miracles, but he is almost empowering us this week to have our own faith. And he's saying, the fig tree is one thing. Guys, I can help you to move mountains, but you need to have the faith. And this week, I want to encourage you to start to dig into your own faith so that you can, for God's purposes, start to do amazing things in God's name. The second small little bit of story I'd like to pick up is also in Mark 11, verses 41. And this is the story. Jesus has now been debating with the Pharisees. So the clever oaks have been trying to challenge Jesus on his teachings. The whole of Tuesday, they're challenging him, challenging him, challenging him. And he keeps answering them with simple stories and parables. And then, almost later on in the day, there's a little story of a a little old lady who comes into the temple with a widow with a little mite, and she gives what she has. And Jesus stops the disciples at the moment. He says, look, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Did you see that? That lady brought everything she has and gave it with the right heart. And what I love about this on Tuesday is that in and amongst the conference where there's lots of people in the temple and Jesus is teaching and preaching, he notices a little old lady doing something out of her heart. Here's my challenge on, on Jesus' Tuesday challenge for me. What are we noticing where people are giving their very best? Because Jesus stopped his disciples and said, look, there she is. Everyone else gave out of what they had, but she gave out of what she didn't have. She gave out of all that she was from the bottom of her heart. And I want to encourage us to start to notice those moments in life where people are giving from who they are. Because Jesus stopped the whole of his disciples for that moment to spot out that little old lady. Wednesday. So we've had, I rock up as the king. I challenge, I inspire, I prophesy, I teach, and I notice. But on Wednesday, Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom of God is at hand. And he started to talk to people about how It was end times were there. It's in Mark 13 where Jesus starts to talk about it. Now the disciples at the temple, they come out of the temple and they say, Lord, look at all of this amazing stuff. Tell us when is the end of time. Tell us when this will all come to an end. And Jesus answered in an amazing way. He said, nobody knows. Not the angels, not me. The only one who knows is the Father in heaven. And then he says to them, but you be alert And be vigilant. Live a life that's ready for the king to arrive. And you know that that's the exact same challenge for us today. Is that we still don't know when Jesus will come or his return. But the challenge to us is the same. is to be vigilant. Be alert. Be ready to welcome back the king. And you know you read these scriptures. It talks about there will be wars and rumors of wars. And this week is a pretty apt week in South Africa to, to sort of like in this scripture, you know, we sort of lean on it a little bit more. But at the same time, all throughout history, there's been these rumors of wars. So nobody knows when Jesus is going to come. But the challenge is to be ready, to be vigilant, and to live lives that are ready for his, him to return. The second little story I want to bring out of the day is at the bottom of that scripture in Matthew 13, uh, Mark 13, sorry, verses 14 onwards where Jesus then returns back to Bethany and he says he's reclining with his friends 
and the lady comes with a, an alabaster jar of perfume. And she then breaks open the perfume and pours it out over Jesus. And some of the people there who looked at it and go, how could you do that? That is a year's wages in that perfume bottle. I mean, I know how much perfume is. I bought my wife a bottle. It's expensive stuff. And she breaks it open and pours it out over Jesus. And Jesus says, thank you. He almost quietens them and she said, He's, she's preparing me for my burial. You know, in those days you would put salts and smelly things on people after they had been buried. But she was doing it before. And she was bringing the very, very best thing that she could think of. The very best thing. And she was breaking it open and pouring it out on Jesus. And in that week, we often see where people are breaking open their very best things and pouring it upon Jesus. And I think that challenge for us today is, what are you bringing before Jesus, breaking it open and pouring it out on Jesus and saying, Lord, this is all I have. Won't you do something with it? And he does. He does something magnificent with it. On Wednesday night, at the end of Wednesday, after that, just after that moment, one of the disciples then left that house and went and made a deal with the high priest to sell Jesus over to them. So what's amazing to me is that he's just watched all of this happen. Judas was with them. He'd watched all of this happen. He'd seen Sunday. He'd seen Monday. He'd seen Tuesday. He'd seen Wednesday. He'd seen the woman pour herself out over Jesus. And yet he still chose to, fulfill, to go through and sell and betray Jesus. So that was Wednesday. Quite a rough day for Jesus, I think. And then there was Thursday. Now, Thursday was Jesus' very last day of teaching, and he knew that. Jesus knew that Thursday was his last day to spend with his disciples. There's often that question, what would you do on your last day? If you knew it was your last day, what would you do? Would you hit Camps Bay Beach? What, what would you do if you knew it was your last day? And Jesus goes into, I call it fifth gear with his disciples, and he teaches them. On the, on the last day. And you know how he teaches them? He teaches them by serving them. His last day. His last day when I would expect them to serve him. Jesus goes and serves his disciples and spends the day, the evening in prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark 14, please. Verses 17 onwards. It's the moment where Jesus is in the upper room and he's preparing. In verse 22, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took the bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to each of his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in the new kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I love the fact that on the last day that Jesus is with his disciples, before they go out and get commissioned, you know, he says to him, this is my body broken for you. And that's the same for us today. As in this week, we can say, Jesus said, this is my body, Claude, broken for you. And Eska, this is my blood that was shed for you. And Jesus makes the gospel so personal in that moment. When you're sitting at a dining room table looking at people, you can't hide You know, they look you in the eye and he's going, Ricky, this is my body broken for you. And he puts it in his hand, he gives it to him, and he breaks that bread. Now, I don't know if many of you have been to some of the traditional churches where you actually break the bread and then you hand it to him. He said, this is the body broken for you. And that's what Jesus was doing, is he was making that message 
personal to each and every one of us. The second thing that happened on Thursday is he went up into Gethsemane to go and pray. Um, Now, if you've read the scripture, you'll know that Jesus took three disciples with him. Peter, James, and John. And uh, Peter was very much like me. After 10 o'clock, he can't keep his eyes open. And Jesus is saying, I'm I'm troubled. I'm deeply troubled. Won't you just stay and pray? And you know what? Three times the oak fell asleep. And uh, every time Jesus said, but can't you just stay awake? And he says, my eyes were heavy. I, I fell asleep, God. But yet Jesus actually doesn't rebuke them. He just keeps asking them, just keep praying. Please, stay with me on this. Stay with me on this, please. I'm going through a tough time. Stay with me. And Jesus is asking us the same thing today, saying, stay with me. Pray with me. Stay awake. Stay alert. Be vigilant. Pray. Be on your guard. Because in verse, in verse 42, it says, rise up. This is the third time he wakes him up. He says, Dion, rise up. Let's go. Here comes my betrayer. And he says, just as you were speaking, Judas appeared with the crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the high priest, the teachers of the law, and the elders. And then later on in the scripture, it says in verse 49, every day I was with you, teaching you in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me then. You know, so often people will come to try and steal from us in moments of unexpectedness. Jesus was available to them all day, every day in the temple, in open areas. And they waited till the late of night when the t- disciples couldn't stay awake to come and arrest Jesus. And so often with us, people are trying to steal your joy and they'll come at moments where you're tired, where you're tired and you don't have the energy to fight or it's unexpected. And those are the moments where God's asking us, come on, rise up, rise up, stay with me, stay awake, stay alert, stay on it. So Thursday, Jesus has served his disciples, he's prayed with them in the garden and he has actually gone with um, Judas and them to, to, to run into, to, to get tried. Friday, Good Friday, the end of, end of the road in some, in some ways for people. Jesus then ends up, he's taught all he could in the temple. He's been let down by his disciples. He's been betrayed by one of his disciples. He's been disowned by another one. And today he's standing there on his own in a trial that is unfair. And I'd love to pick up the scripture with you in Mark 15. This is... It's Pontius Pilate speaking. It says, verse 9, Do you want me to release you to the king? Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime? Has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all of the louder, Crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. In verse 34 it says, And at three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'd like to say to you there, on Friday, Jesus was falsely accused. Pilate even asks, why, why, what sin has he committed? And they didn't answer. They just whipped up the crowd into a frenzy and carried on, say, crucify him. 
And so often I want to say to you that Jesus is falsely accused in our day and age for things that he didn't do or doesn't do. Our job is to stand firm with Jesus, not to join the crowd in a false accusation. And on Friday, Jesus then endured immense loneliness and pain, I would say, as he walked up the hill to Golgotha, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And actually, the only thing that held him there was you and me. And that Friday was a really bad day for us as people. Because we were the ones that accused him. We were the ones that put him on trial. And we were the ones that then ultimately said to them, crucify him. And Jesus walked up with the cross on his back keeping it there just for us. What an immense price and what gratitude it stirs in us that Jesus would do that for you and for me. That takes us to Saturday. Saturday must have been awkward. In my original, I actually had Saturday just as a black slide because Saturday the world was not as it should be. I don't know about you, but I would have been pretty confused on Saturday. The hope of thousands of years, Jesus came to be beaten by a human system. That's what Saturday must have felt like. The temple had been torn. The earth had shook. The sky was dark. I I think they would have been pretty disillusioned on Saturday. I don't know, but some of you might be going through a Saturday in your own lives. Some of you might be in a Saturday where you're not sure that what was promised hasn't come through to fruition yet. And you might be sitting in a Saturday thinking... I don't understand. I I thought I knew what was going to happen. I'd like to suggest to you that if you turn one page on in the Bible in Mark 16, Sunday comes. And for many of us, we're sitting in Friday or Saturday, but Sunday is coming. And Sunday starts this way, where it took Mary Magdalene, the mother of James, and Salome brought some spices that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after the sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone at the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. What a moment. Hey, what a moment. Can you imagine? You rock up, there's a tomb, a massive stone. It's been moved away. And you walk inside and there's an angel, I think, an angel sitting there. And he said, you were looking? What? What do you mean? Of course he's not here. We promised he wouldn't be here. Why are you coming to look for him? He is the risen king. I just, I just, I'm blown away that we've gone from Sunday where we shout, Hosanna, here comes the king, to the next Sunday where we said, Hosanna, he has risen. In the book of John, Peter and John get told that um, Jesus has risen. And you know what it says in the Bible? It said that they ran to go and see him. But they didn't just run. It says, John outran Peter. What that means is that it's Ricky and I, we're going to go see if Jesus is there. And it's kind of like, Ricky, I'm going to go first. You know, it's not that kind of like, oh, no, let's go just check. I wonder if he's risen. It's not that. It's, I need to see it. I need to see it. I can't believe it. This is amazing. Jesus has risen. That is unbelievable. 
And how many of us are in that moment where we're just like, yeah, Jesus is and I'll get there. I've got some things to do, but I'll get there. The disciples were like, they heard that Jesus had risen and they ran. They ran as fast as they could to go and see if Jesus was risen. And indeed, Jesus was risen. So, that was Jesus' week. How many of you have had a tough week? That's pretty big compared to the week that I, I had last week or the week I'm going to have this week or probably any week in my life. Jesus outdid it by a, a mile. But I'd like to suggest to you, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? And what does that change on our outlook? I'd like to suggest to you four things. The first is that, much like Jesus spoke to us, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not coming, it's at hand. The whole week, Jesus was saying to his disciples, be ready, be vigilant. The kingdom is here, it's now, it's at hand. Get, get, a, get, get about my business. And I don't know what you're up to this week, but won't you get about Jesus' business? Won't you make sure that you're doing his business? The second thing is that his words are true. They're true. My wife's doing an amazing thing at the moment. She's actually reading Jesus' words out of the Bible. She's saying, I know I have an opinion on Jesus, but what did Jesus actually say? And I'd like to encourage you, what did Jesus say? Because his words are true, and every one of them has come through. The third is that Jesus will endure. I don't know what you're going through, but if we hold on to Jesus, he will endure. If Jesus could endure the cross, I'm 100% sure he can endure with you for whatever you're going through. And finally, he will come again. Sunday is coming. I don't know which day of the week you're in. You might be on Sunday last week where you're just all out praising for the king. You might be on Wednesday where Judas just did something funny. You might be on Thursday where you're falling asleep. Sunday is coming. And that you need to hold on that Sunday will come. But I suppose that's our response. And the final thing is what does it do for you? What is your response to this? And for me, this is my response. My response is to know at the boots of who I am that Jesus is with me. That Jesus is with me. That he wants to walk this road with me. Um, It's my first response. The second is I need to hold fast. I don't need to just speak it, but I need to hold fast. Um, Jesus asked his disciples to hold on. I don't know what you're going through. I know what I'm going through. My, my challenge to you is this, is hold on to Jesus in whatever you're going through. The third thing is to trust and obey his voice. In that week leading up to the cross, there was a lot of voices. People were shouting and screaming. They were questioning, they were arguing. And Jesus is the voice you need to hear. So this week, trust and obey his voice. His voice, not just a voice. And finally, I'd like to say to you is that Sunday is indeed coming. I want to be that disciple. You know that actually John, so Ricky and I were running, John beat Peter to the to this tomb because Peter was quite slow. I'm not going to let this Peter come second. I want to see Jesus in all of his glory because that's what it's about, is that Sunday is coming, that Jesus has indeed risen, and that our response should be to run to Jesus. It shouldn't be to go, yeah, he's risen, I'll get there, I'm busy, I'm I'm on my way. Let's get about why Jesus came and died for us and run to him and make sure that our lives are that which we are chasing after God. So won't you bow your heads and pray with me. Jesus, I want to say thank you for enduring 
that week. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for all that you taught us.